Thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. I, of course, am your host. My name is Mike. And let me tell you, even though it has been a while since the last episode, I promise you, the wait is more than worth it. Because today's show is, in one word, epic. Not joking. So, a couple of months back, I went to check out Suffocation in Seattle, near where I live, and I got to hang out with my buddy Scott Pavarnik from SP Custom Guitars. Well, Scott also plays in, as you know, OG death metal band False Prophet. And, you know, we didn't really get a chance to dig in too much to the inner workings of False Prophet. We really only kind of scratched the surface, and we left the door open to revisit the conversation down the road. And that's exactly what we did. Scott invited me down to Oakland, California to check out False Prophet Live while they were on tour with Possessed. And let me tell you, False Prophet and Possessed on the same bill, absolutely out of control. So this time I spoke with Paul Ray, founding member of False Prophet and somebody who I consider to be a pioneer of death metal during its formative years back in the late 80s, early 90s, and into the 2000s. We had a very candid conversation. Talked about the origin of the band and all the craziness that's come over the years. All the lineup changes, label changes, changes in the industry, and ultimately things that led to him taking a break. But now, False Prophet is back. Yeah, they've been back for a little while. But now they're back with a vengeance. And we talked about what he really wants out of False Prophet. What can we expect to see out of False Prophet? So I'm really excited to share this with you. Also want to give a shout out to the other members of the band. Of course, Scott Pavarnik, but also Craig Gillespie pulling double duty in another band called Divine Treachery. And Matt Francis from Ergotic, two amazing epic bands that you should check out if you haven't had a chance to do so. I highly, highly, highly recommend them. Super awesome. So of course, just like my interview with Scott, my interview with Paul done backstage between sound checks. So, you know, got a little crazy, a little loud, a little noisy, a little chaotic, but that's okay. Rather than edit out the awesomeness, I just left it in there because I didn't want you guys to miss any of this conversation. So bear with it. I promise you it's worth it because you'll get a chance to hear a conversation from somebody in an environment that they live and breathe so you know that you're getting a full dose of reality. And in my opinion, it really just doesn't get any better than that. So, 
Let's check this out. Here we go. All right, well, I am here in Oakland, California, backstage at the Oakland Metropolitan, here with Paul Ray from the OG metal band False Prophet. <laughs> True OG. Uh, hey, Paul, thanks for chatting with me today, man. Uh, thanks for having us, man. It's awesome. So uh, there's a lot of stuff uh, kind of reactivated here in the in the False Prophet camp. So um, right now, though, it's pretty much just you as far as being the originals. And then you've got uh, Matt and Craig and Scott kind of backing you up as well. Um, Scott's uh, joined full time, correct? Yes. Yeah, awesome. And uh, and Matt from uh, Ergotic and Craig from Divine Treachery are uh, helping you out as well on today's show and for this small tour. How did those guys get uh, hooked up with you? Uh, I've known Matt from other bands. And, um, you know, we were having issues with our original drummer, just the personal stuff, family. Sure. and um, Life. Life, yeah. And um, so he couldn't travel. You know, he could do the local shows within an hour or so of the house. And we've been wanting to branch out, do the festivals that we've been offered. We've, we've turned down so many shows that, you know, we were kind of starting to feel like a bunch of dicks. Right. <laughs> And it's like, it, it wasn't nothing personal to any of the promoters or any of the people offering the shows. It was just, we didn't have a band that could commit to these, you know, shows. Because you're committing out six months, even years sure. to play a show. So, um, ran into Matt, Cannibal Corpse show. He said, hey, dude, heard some stuff was going on. I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said he would be interested in helping us out. So, um when the time was needed, we approached him and he was able to come in and crush it, man. Awesome. And, uh, you got Scott through like, uh, I think what I, he said, uh, like a Facebook kind of an audition or you heard about it and then he came down audition for you guys. And yeah. Um, same thing with our other guitar player. He was having some health problems, uh, shoulder injuries and, um, some other personal stuff and, um, just couldn't, he couldn't commit either. And, um, you know, dude, just Facebook, it was just one of those, damn, does anybody play death metal guitar? Right. And Scott goes, yeah. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I was just kind of thinking out months, like, you know, we'll look for a guitar player in months. And Scott kind of like, hey, dude, let's do this. Well, you guys are in the same city, right? Yes, we are. In uh, Greensboro? Yes. In North Carolina? Yep. So he kind of stayed on me about... I want to jam, dude. I want to jam. And uh, me and Tim, our original drummer, this was before Matt came along, and um, we were at a crossroads. Like, do we want to continue False Prophet? Is this something we want to do? And um, I was kind of – I could have went either way. I could have just ended it there or keep going. And Tim didn't want to quit at that time. So I was like, well, if we're going to continue this, we need a guitar player that can step in and do this. And so we got Scott in, and he just, like, he clicked personality-wise. Musician, you know, as a musician, he clicked with us. His playing ability, he clicked with us. Professional gear, professional attitude. Um, you know, none of the drama, you know. So our band stays relatively drama free which is right plus. yeah that's very rare in this industry very <laughs> so um a little bit of history then is that uh, you guys formed back in you know the the late 80s uh under abattoir and changed the name to false prophet changed the name to infernal hierarchy and we did had a bunch of stuff going on there with uh with uh, names yeah i mean 
Like, I mean, I played guitar off and on as a kid. You mm-hmm. know, like I'd, I'd be into it for a year and then I'd quit. And then, you know, in my high school years, I got more into it. And me and Chris, our original bass player, you know, we were like, we we couldn't find people that wanted to play death metal. So we kind of lower, we, we went softer, you know, more thrash. Sure. And that's where our, that's. <laughs> I've never heard of thrash is more softer, well, <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's, uh, I so see what you're saying. <laughs> we had to like throttle down. Sure. Start thrashy. And that's why you have that thrash crossover to death metal, which people always ask about. Right. Now I'm not knocking thrash. I'm, I love thrash, but my heart's death metal. Sure. But you'll still have crossover riffs and you'll hear that thrash influence. It's really hard to define where that line is, you know, between what, what defines death and what defines thrash because there's, there's sub movements within each genre. I mean, you know, you've got different kinds of death metal. You've got yeah. different kinds of thrash metal. And to finish your question, we're getting off topic. Oh yeah. But um, <laughs> so yeah, me and Chris started like just me and him, you know, in the parents' house, just me and him jamming, writing lyrics, music. Sure. And, um, we're all in the same high school, and Tim's like, hey, dude, heard y'all were doing something. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tim's playing, you know, more, I don't want to say radio-friendly because it wasn't, but, you know, like hair metal type stuff, sure. cover bands, you right. know, Dokken, Rat, all that stuff. He's That's what he played before he came to us. So, you know, that's how we had to, like, coax, you know, just – get him into playing thrash and we did it and he finally was like okay i'll do it so we actually started practicing as a three-piece at his parents and that was the abator right born and um we did that until we heard there was another band called abator so we were like okay and in the process of finding that out we always wanted a second guitar player i mean i, I just never liked the sound of the three piece. I mean, I'm a big Venom fan, but when you hear, sure. you know, there's some bands that can pull off three pieces and they're amazing. And there's some that, you know, it's just missing something. So, um, met Mike through my guitar teacher. He came and jammed and he fit in, man, you know, same thing back then. Great attitude gear added, you know, the professional as professional as you can be at, you know, 18 years old. Sure. And, um, so when he joined, we changed the name to False Prophet. And then from there on, we were Prophet until we had issues with the False Prophets. And th- that was a punk band, That right? is a punk band. Yeah. And in that time, and this is fast forwarding a few years. Back in the early 90s, 92 We were negotiating with Mausoleum for record contract. And we, so we were already dealing with lawyers with the contract. And um, he was actually also a patent uh, copyright lawyer also in his office. So we approached this to him, and it was kind of like, how hard do you want to fight this? They've been the false prophets, and even though it's a different name, in hindsight being 2020, I should have just told him to fuck off. Because they probably didn't have no money to fight us. We didn't have no money to fight them. Right. It would have been a stalemate of, you know, who wants to be the biggest dick or something. Sure. But we did change the name because we felt like we were kind of progressing into, you know, 
I don't know how to explain it. We, we were progressing really fast and changing. So, you know, we just kind of felt like, okay, maybe this is the time. If we're going to do it, we should just change the name, all new with Mausoleum, and just go. And um, so that's the story behind the names. and Cool. And then uh, after, you know, various uh, things happening and life getting in the way and just decisions made, and then you uh, kind of took a break for a while. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I can tell you the backstory behind that if you really want to hear it. I would love to hear the backstory of uh, you know twenty years gone by. Well, leading up to the split up between profit, honestly, dude, I think we were just all burned out because you know a lot of people don't understand. Every time something happens, like if you change one member, it knocks you back years. Like sure, it's not like. You get a member and you just go, oh, okay, we're going to the next label. It doesn't happen. So, and that, when we we actually did the 7-inch with Ed Farsley, with Rage Records, under Infernal, that actually kind of got us in with Mausoleum. They really liked the Firstborn track. Um, and we were all burned out, dude. Like, I, I mean, I had writer's block. I couldn't write lyrics. I couldn't write music. I was just like, I was done. I was fucking done. And Tim, same way, dude, you know, he was just burned out and he was the first one to bail on us. And that's what really lost the mausoleum contract. They just did. And we had a drummer to replace him. And, but they wanted that, they wanted that lineup. So we lost the contract and that was like, that was just, the kick in the gut for me. I was like, you know, I'm done. <laughs> sure. And uh, what were you doing then for the last 20 years or so? Really nothing. I, I did nothing with music for like 10 years. Semi-retired? Retired. <laughs> or hiatus. Done. My my guitar, I actually packed my guitars away and I probably didn't look at them for 10 years. Yeah. Like no joke. Packed up. I didn't play guitar. I didn't. I didn't even have anything that I would pick up. I just didn't play music. And... I had a, a kid that, this is probably, I'm not sure what year it was. We did like just a, kind of a local thing. Like we did like a version of Infernal with all new members. It was me, my brother, he played guitar. Uh, Dan Thomas, he was the kid playing bass that uh, wanted me to play with him. And then a drummer out of Greensboro named Rory Taylor. So we did like a version of Infernal that was like fucking heavier than hell, faster than fuck. Just brute. I mean, there was no clean channel stuff. It was just <laughs> balls to the wall death metal. Awesome. And um, we did a few shows. We did some festivals up north. Um, actually, Cor- um, Corpse Grinder, I think, was still playing at that time. The band Corpse, the band Gr- Corpse Grinder. The band not, Corpse not Grinder. George Corpse not Grinder. George Corpse Grinder. Not George Corpse Grinder. Yeah. And, um, that would have been fucking awesome. So we did a few shows, and the same thing happened, man. We actually went in and recorded four songs that n- nobody has ever heard, and it's never been released. And I don't even know if the studio even has those tracks. Like but the we, masters are we floating don't, around yeah, somewhere? But we did four songs, and actually I have gone back and re... Well, the band, False Prophet, has gone back and rewritten one called Prayers of Emptiness that we have, we, we have played around the Greensboro area. We haven't played it out. And um, there's probably two more songs that I'm going to redo in that I did in Infernal and just make it a profit, you know, more profit vibe. Cool. Um, 
So we did that for a year or so. Same thing. Drummer got just, we recorded and he bailed. So, you know, it was, it was like another kick in the gut, man. I was like, you know, I'm done with this shit. Then years later, maybe, I don't know, another five, ten years, Mike Morrison connects with me on Facebook, and um, we were approached um, by Jeremy Golden from Heaven and Hell. Okay. And he wanted to release the tracks. and Yeah, that's what I was reading. According to your website bio, um, you, the band was approached and said, hey, let's let's put this stuff back out again. Did that, did that spark you? Did that kind of reinvigorate you a no, little bit? Or? No, it did not. It did not. It was actually a kick in the ass. They... I was the one that was holding out. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, I kind of didn't know if I wanted to go back and revisit that. Um, Just had a bad taste in your mouth about the whole situation. Sort of, not really. It's, it's kind of like we did a lot of good things. And if I couldn't come back and do it as good or better than we were in the day, I don't want to tarnish that image. Like, I don't okay. want to, you know, and you've seen bands do that. Sure. Some bands come out and just kill it. And some bands just, they fuck it up. I didn't want to fuck it up. I'd right. rather somebody remember me for being good and being like, a, a, I'm not going to say a great band, a good band. Then like, dude, these guys just butchered it in the <laughs> 2000s. So um, Jeremy was going to release it. And he's, he was really pushing. He's like, dude, I would really love for y'all to do a reunion show. And I told him straight up. I was like, you know, there's just bad blood between some of us. I don't know. And um, finally, we kind of just met, hashed it out, um, decided to do it. Um, our original drummer, Tim, wasn't available at the time, so we went with Raymond Martin which I consider an original drummer because he was actually the one that kind of pushed us to be, you know, faster and heavier. So we uh, formed again with Raymond Martin, Mike Morrison, our original guitar player, myself, and we never could find Chris. So we brought in Mike Foster to play bass. He just disappeared. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we had just lost touch over the years. And sure. at that time I didn't know how to connect with him. So, we just moved forward with the band, and um, we decided to play the show, which we brought in our friend's confessor, Eric Grindcore Band. You know, great fucking band. So they agreed to do it, and they came in, and we did basically like just a co-headlining. We just played the same amount of time. And um, once that kind of happened, a little buzz started like, oh, Prophet's back. And, well, I wouldn't say we're back. And I even told people, like, if you hear we're playing a show, you better go see it because it might be the last. Okay. So is there material in the works? There is. As far as recording and um, albums and uh, I, I've heard buzz of said things. We are trying. And, I mean, we've been, and I hate to be that guy, but. We've been trying to do this for like years now, but with the member changes, it like like I said, it's a setback every time you do this. Mm -hmm. And um, so we want to go into the studio, and it will most likely be with Matt and Craig and Scott, myself, and at least do. I would like to at least do a four or five song demo. 
Now we have, we're going to be doing one new song tonight called Divine. Awesome. Um, we have, me and Scott's done, I think two more. We've got one called Prayers of Emptiness and the Lucifer Experiment. And so hopefully we can get back into recording. But the thing is now, the more people see us play and like, even we're willing to travel to the West Coast to play these shows with Possessed. Sure. You know, now we're just getting blown up like, uh, you know, can you play here? Can you play there? And we want to play there. But it's like we also have to make time to record and sure and get everything going. Yeah, that's a tough call. Like you said earlier, you don't want to be seen as dicks and turning down shows. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. You know, and at some point, you kind of want to get back in the studio and, and you know, get those gears grinding. Yeah, and, and we've been using that excuse all for years. Like, oh, we're trying to go into the studio. And, you know, and just when shit happens, like, you know, with having to replace Tim with Matt and stuff and then make decisions. Because at first we were kind of splitting our drummer duties. Matt was going to be our on-the-road guy and Tim would be our at-home guy. And it's – I'm not going to lie, dude. I have a personal life too. Sure. I can't play in two – I can't play in two of the same bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's uh, different incarnations of the same, right? So, if you go back into the studio, I mean, is heaven and hell going to be who you're working with, or is there word of something else, or is that what you'd like to do? I really don't know. I don't know what we don't. I mean, you know, I don't know if we'll get any label interest at all because we can't tour, or we can't tour right now with the money we're being offered. You know, sure. I mean, if we could make a decent amount of money you know we could drop it and go tour so you know you know i, I wouldn't be against using heaven hell uh, jeremy did a great job he was very professional he was very honest very sincere like it wasn't about money with him it was about releasing the product and me and him and i and i told him i was like i talked to him for a long time just me and him and i told him straight up i was like i'm not gonna put up with any bullshit like, you're not going to tarnish my name. You're not going to do shitty stuff. And um, he was down with that. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, we were talking a little bit uh, a while ago about what has changed in the industry uh, since you were God, a wee lad. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, like flying across the coast to play a couple of shows. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. Like, you would have never done this back in the day. But it's like... Most bands don't even live in the same state anymore. Right. So, yeah, yeah, people are file sharing. I mean, you're sitting at home, you're recording your track, you're sending it to your bass player, then they're sending both those files down to the studio, they're dumping it down into Pro Tools, Yeah. and then they're sending those back and forth. I mean, it's just like Possessed. You know, these guys live in different parts of California, and Daniel's right. in Florida, So, and, and, you know, they come together and they make it work. So, you know, it's it's a whole different ball game, man. Yeah. And And... How do you like it? Do you feel at home with it, or are you still coming to grips with it? Or I don't know if I could handle the the not living in the same area. Like I'm just old school. I want to practice with you. I want to be friends. You know, I want to hang out and go have a beer. And sure. So that I don't know. I'm not against it. it whatever works for you is awesome. So I'm not against it. I just don't know if it's for me. But. If I had to do it, you know, I'd have to, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But. Yeah. So, yeah, with everything going digital these days, I mean, what's your opinion of, uh, you know, music sharing online and, uh, you know, doing digital albums versus physical albums and the way that things are released now? Oh, man, you 
I, I mean, honestly, I don't care about all that. It yeah. doesn't bother me. Like, um, I've got friends that are like into albums. They collect stuff. I'm not really a collector. Like, all my albums are on an iPod. Right. And um. So you're fully digital. Yeah, I mean, I'm acceptable to it. I mean, you know, I'm cool with technology and you know different shit. And I don't like. I'm not one of them guys that have like a thousand CDs on the wall. I'm just not that person. I'm not knocking them, but it's not me. I'd, I'd rather just have my shit in the iPod and go, oh, I want to listen to Possess. Well, here it is. Right. Or I want to listen to Morbid Angel. Here it is. I don't have to dig through my CDs and go, well, there's Blester the Sick. Nah. <laughs> right. So when you're uh, getting back into the, the mode of, you know, writing music, I mean, are you shutting off all outside inspiration or are you trying to listen to other bands and kind of get an idea for where you want to go? How's your writing process work? Honestly, I think um, we're showing more influences now than in the past. In the past, um, you know, like if we wrote a riff that sounded too much like Dark Angel or Slayer or Morbid, or we would like, oh no, we can't use that. It's too much like them. Now, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna show who influenced me. So like, one of the new songs we have actually almost has a Metallica, like an Orion type feel. Okay. Um, but the ending is so goddamn death metal, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, but, you know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not hiding it as much now. Right. It really is hard to, I think, come up with original ideas because you take inspiration from everything around you. That's for sure. So do you think that, uh, you know, the stuff that you're working on, newer material, is it, is it, true to original form of what what you were known for or you think you're taking it in a different direction i think you're gonna have some of both um like divine is definitely a more prophet sounding song prayers of emptiness is definitely a prophet sounding song the lucifer experiment is gonna be basically the whole like three quarters of the song is an instrumental there's only four verses that are back to back to back to back and it's all fucking just flying. So, you know, it's it's actually a little off from Prophet. It's got like a really long clean channel part. Right. Bass parts by themselves. And actually that song has actually been accepted. Like they were just blown away. They were like, y'all need to fucking record that song. Nice. So, you know, a lot of fans that's been at our shows around the Greensboro, Raleigh, area have heard that song out live and they they like it so i was like awesome so you're getting good response to the new material yeah does that keep that going for you then does that make you want to keep it i'll tell you a funny story before we wrote lucifer experiment we were doing divine and prayers and we played the set and a friend of mine came up there and he said i thought you were gonna play some new songs and i said we did we play like two new ones he said it sounded just like oh shit I was like, well, I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or an insult. So it seems like um, the energy is back. People are excited that you're back. Um, I don't know if back is the right word, but, you know, more active than previously. So um, I'm excited you guys are back. I, I was saying uh, I actually had a False Prophet cassette tape when I was a kid, when I was playing, and it had a white cover on it, and it had probably one of your early demos or whatnot, but... Uh, yeah, that was pretty awesome. I, I remember when we were doing tape trading, it was False Prophet had, you know, 
was with them and Possessed and Master and Venom and all those old school guys in the underground tape trading. So uh, it's cool to be here and uh, seeing what you got coming out now <laughs> as we fight the sound chip. <laughs> So, Scott tells me you invented some guitar knobs. I did. Yeah, I'd like to talk um, about that. In my high is from playing guitar. Um, I've always been in, you know, like kind of a gearhead. So, I had like a custom guitar shop. And um, when I started playing again, I was like, you know, dude, there's like, it's the same guitar knob you see every day, man. It's the same fucking shit. I was like, why aren't there, why aren't there custom guitar knobs? So I designed, you know, I've designed one right now. I have other designs I want to do. And um, I've got people playing them like Claudius from Possessed, and he loves it. Um, we put some on Jeff's face. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his name right, but Moisey from Christian. I hooked him up with the knobs and some other parts. Yeah, I, I saw Christian with uh, Suffocation. Uh, I, yeah, those guys were awesome. Yes, they are <laughs> very awesome. And so, is there uh, what's what sets your what sets your knob apart from somebody else's knob? <laughs> My knobs are larger than everybody else's knobs, and they're heavy. Yeah, they're heavy, <laughs> and they fit no, well dude, in your hand. Honestly, I kind of ripped it off from Dime. Um, like back in the day, he would like use a solder iron or something to punch the holes in it. Right. And I have one right here. I'll let you look at it. Oh, can, yeah. You can't see this through. Can this. I take a picture of it? Yeah, sure. Well, what I've done is gone in and ball milled it. And it actually functions. It gives you good grip, you know, when you're sweaty as fuck, trying to cut your volume off in the middle of a set. So what's the what's the plan with the knobs? I mean, is this something that you're you want to do and kind of sell them and get them out on the market, or is it just something you do for shits and giggles for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I'm just doing it kind of you know for fun. You know, I I just do like little small production units in them, and um, just I sell them on eBay and just kind of just piddle around with that, man. I mean, I mean, you know, it wouldn't hurt my feeling if somebody wanted a million knobs and I made some money, but. <laughs> So what's what's next then for for False Prophet? What do you guys got coming down the pike? Man, I definitely just want to record. I, yeah. I want to get some new material out. Um, I don't even really like pushing the old CD. I always have people, you know, you got stuff for sale. You know, you got any music? I was like, well, we have the the re-release, and um, I, I don't really even push it to people because you know I'd rather hear what we're doing now with with the new members instead of you know, being nostalgic about sure. the old stuff. I mean, there's some guys that they're stuck on the old stuff. That's not right. me, man. You know, let's move forward. You're let's looking do, to move forward yeah. and, and put the new stuff out to the world. Let's do so this, man. I what, mean, you know. If you had to guess, other than playing some new songs at shows, I mean, what would be a, an, an estimate for maybe hearing some more material for you guys? Are you going to release songs, you know, independently of an album, like online or... If worst case scenario, we might do maybe a single, like maybe do Divine or something. And just to get something out there while we're out playing these shows and get a buzz going, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, that'd be awesome. Uh, well, I, for one, am uh, looking forward to hearing new material from you guys. I'm going to keep my eyes uh, and my ears peeled. And, of course, I'm looking forward to checking you guys out tonight with Possessed. Uh, 
and to check out you and Scott jamming together and your new guys as well. So thanks for taking the time and uh, letting me invade your guitar tuning session and fight the sound checks. So I appreciate you coming on Misery Point Radio, man. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And um, we're looking forward to the show and um, playing with the legendary Possessed. I mean, it's like the kid's dream come true. <laughs> yeah. Well, two legendary bands, one legendary bill. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Ray, False Prophet. Thank you, brother. Okay. Thank you, man. So I, for one, am super excited to see and hear what is coming in the future from False Prophet. These guys are awesome. They are back with a vengeance. They're gaining huge amounts of traction, tons of requests to play shows, tons of requests for tours, and I have no doubt that they are going to continue to be major players on the death metal circuit. So thanks again to uh, Paul Ray for sitting down with me. Thanks to Scott Pavarnik for hooking the whole thing up. And thanks to Craig and Matt for giving me a few minutes of their time and letting me kind of uh, interrupt their days and get in the way while they were all super busy. So, hey, do me a favor, man. If you like the show, please like it, share it, do all the fun social media stuff. Don't forget to go to the old uh, Facebook page. Also, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at MiseryPTRadio, and on the old Instagram, at MiseryPointRadio. And follow the show on all of those fancy podcatcher-type things on the iTunes, on the Google Play, on the Stitcher, on the Spreaker, on the Spotify, on the iHeartRadio, and wherever podcasts are found. Yeah.